Shadow Time. Now. A parallel time scale that follows one around throughout day-to-day experience of regular time. Shadow Time manifests as a feeling of living in two distinctly different temporal scales simultaneously. Or acute consciousness of the possibility that the near future would be drastically different than the present. Teeny tiny one. Mm-hmm. Who cursed you? Did somebody do that? Well, we don't know because we were dead. Oh. Yeah. It happened when you weren't aware. Because we were dead. Okay, well, I hope you feel better soon.
Shadow Time on BFF.FM. I am Lily Sloan, your host for the next hour. You're hearing right now the tail end of Zombies by Childish Gambino. Open up the show with some sounds of my own and the voices of some cute zombie kids. My niece and a couple of my nephews several years ago they're all like getting to be preteens now and they don't joke like they used to but they joke in a different way and that's good too anyway today we're exploring zombies and the undead and I have a wonderful interview for you that I did with my friend Zara Zimbardo when I used to host radical advice here um, back from 2017, and Zara has studied and written about the history and cultural significance of zombies. So can't wait to share that with you. But first, more music. Here is a song with an amazingly long title. Here we go. They are night zombies. They are neighbors. They have come back from the dead. Ah! By Sufjan Stevens.
But the dream escaped so easily And I woke up to the road again How you were drinking Something kind of sweet and blue And I knew that you'd been understanding Everything that I'd said to About emptiness Tell me about your nature Maybe I've been getting you wrong I cover you with questions Cover you with You are listening to Shadow Time on BFF.fm as I stumble into the microphone. And uh, you just heard Zombie Girl by Adrian Lecker, who, Lenker, who I didn't realize did some solo stuff outside of Big Feet. Uh, so that was a joy to find, just as I'm trying to find the microphone right now. <laughs> it keeps slipping away from me. Um, and before that was, they are night zombies, they are neighbors, they have come back from the dead, ah, by Sufjan Stevens. I might, I might have to say that name one more time. They are night zombies, they are neighbors, they have come back from the dead, ah, by Sufjan Stevens. Mm, so good. So I want to get into this wonderful interview with Zara Zimbardo. And um, since I introduced her in the recorded interview uh, or in my uh, narration for the interview, I'm just going to hit play so you can learn more for yourself. Here's Zara Zimbardo talking about zombies. What would you do in the zombie apocalypse? And why is that the question that we're asking ourselves? In 2017, I interviewed Zara Zimbardo, professor at California Institute of Integral Studies, writer and expert in critical media studies with an academic background in post-colonial cultural anthropology. She's also the co-founder of the White Noise Collective, an organization that aims to explore issues at the heart of race and gender. Zara has published chapters in two different books on the significance of zombies and culture. What's been so profound for me in revisiting this conversation is how on the nose it is in our cultural moment. 
much more so than in 2017. The title of my chapter for that book was It's Easier to Imagine the Zombie Apocalypse Than Mm -hmm. to Imagine the End of Capitalism. It's a riff on a quote from Frederick Jameson, who'd say, and other folks have said similar type of things, that it's easier to imagine the end of the world than to imagine the end of capitalism. Zara talks about zombies' Haitian roots and slave uprising, as well as the zombies' other cultural significance as the spread of an unstoppable virus. We can close our eyes and see all kinds of apocalyptic scenarios, whether from Hollywood blockbusters or religious narratives or all kinds of asteroid hitting the earth. Particularly with ecological crises right now, I mean, it's so... Constants have headlines that are like something along the lines of end of the world as we know it, like half the insect population is dead or mass, you know, six mass extinction. And of course, our fantasies of the collapse of capitalism. That volcano, man. The volcano. (laughs) Yeah. And when I saw that headline that said, like, forget Trump, a massive volcano might wipe out all all life life on on Earth. Earth. I was like, that feels pretty fucked up that that is somehow a relief to read. Zara wrote a chapter in an Italian anthology called Visions of the Apocalypse. But first she wrote about this in a book from Project Censored. A lot of folks have been questioning why zombies have been looming so large, particularly in the U.S. Mm -hmm. since the start of this millennium and bringing all kinds of feminist and critical race and film and history and political economy lenses to that. So what Mm. they've meant over this century, which has been shifting metaphors or ways to symbolize everything from forms of labor exploitation Uh and systems of slavery. Vampires and werewolves came from European folklore traditions. Zombies originated in Haiti from beliefs that came from West African and lower Congo areas around that a soul or a spirit could become trapped in between worlds in this liminal space, not living or dead. And so this took on uh, particular meanings in the colonial um, slave economy when France occupied Haiti, which was at one point the largest slave economy in the world in terms of understanding ways that this system zombifies people being in this like conditions of living death torn from communities reduced to forms of labor and zombieism was originally understood as a form of hypnosis so that within voodoo religion that it was understood that right certain people could control others control their will control their autonomy and it was this reversible state of hypnosis So during the U.S. occupation of Haiti from 1915 to 1934, I believe, when Mm. Marines were using brutal methods to deploy forced labor, that was when the legends of zombies entered into the U.S. culture industry, which served a lot of different purposes. One was to make sense of this colonial relationship between the U.S. and Haiti. All of this projection onto this superstitious other who had beliefs in magic or that, you know, 
There was, you know, eyewitness accounts of dead men working in cane, sugar cane fields. And so this came into the U.S. culture industry with films like White Zombie or I Walked with the Zombie, which spoke to white Western fears of mm. reverse colonization, slave uprisings and white slavery. That's an interesting thing when we're thinking about disavowal and shadow and projection, bringing up those anxieties of exactly the things that the U.S. was doing. And is that mm -hmm. a way of bringing reality closer to understanding or keeping it at this distance that prevents from reflecting on the violence that is actually being perpetrated? few years ago, on Halloween, read an article called A Zombie is a Slave Forever. Oh. And that was the first time that I got curious about learning about exactly some of these histories and looking at what are some of the roots of what zombies have meant in the past and how has it shifted over time coming up to, you know, the past 15 years or so where there's been this explosion. I mean, also including video games, mm -hmm. performances, the Center for Disease Control putting out a zombie preparedness manual, <laughs> the U.S. military having a counter zombie dominance. That dynamic of horror and campiness, terror and humor, or this kind of joking, not joking, is at the heart of that dynamic for me. Like, what are we joking, not joking about? The zombie fantasy seems to embody all kinds of paradoxes. And one of those is keeping some of our deepest fears about societal degeneration and collapse and cannibalization of society and the end of everything as we know it. Greatest fears concerning life and death, bringing them close and then holding them at bay with mm -hmm. this kind of laughably horrific talisman figure. In that article, A Zombie is a Slave Forever, which refers to ways that French slave masters as a form of social control would tell enslaved Haitians that if they committed suicide as a form of escape yeah. from enslavement to go to like a lush afterworld, that they would be trapped and would be a zombie forever, it would be in this liminal, tasteless, soulless state. And so the author of this article, Amy Willens, is saying like, so here's this figure that sprang from the colonial slave economy that's now back to haunt us. And so what is going on now in terms of, you know, hyper exploitation, sweatshop work, different forms of labor that destroys human bodies, that's created by mega corporations themselves that can be seen as these right zombie entities that stagger forward you know that are seemingly unstoppable and unkillable so saying like what is this fantasy of the zombie laborer who works for free doesn't have any grievances doesn't have free will or consciousness and so that's been a fundamental question for me of what are we hunted by what is the u.s hunted by and how does that show up in different types of genres, you know, and come back again and again? 
zombies are these monsters that keep returning at different times in U.S. history that I think are very much about disowned parts of ourselves that can placed onto this non-human other. Something fascinating to me about zombies in particular is that as a monster, they don't come from another planet. They're us. And it might have been as we are just a moment from now, or it might be your best friend. And so that line between self and other is very thin. It's not so much their otherness, but their resemblance to ourselves that can be more deeply unsettling. Those traditions around zombie, the zombie laborer, but also as also traditions around slave rebellion, that has continued into the present day, but has been more eclipsed by the template of the zombie apocalypse that started with George A. Romero with Night of the Living Dead in 1968. And so that was no longer about the state of hypnosis, but zombieism was this uncontainable viral infection through getting bit or getting scratched. And he also gave zombies their one weakness, Mm. getting stabbed or shot in the head. Right. But so that's where it was this about the virus. That's been the template ever since, whether it comes from an evil government or a wonder drug gone wrong (laughs) or some type of scientific intervention or from, you know, extraterrestrials. But it becomes about this fear of our bodily vulnerability and this virus that the work of the virus is in large part to show the total impermanence and fragility of our society. Zombies are very slow, (laughs) traditionally. They've gotten faster in recent years. Obviously, if we've had a choice, we'd prefer the slower ones. But they're they're known as the slowest of Mm. monsters, and yet they bring down society with incredible speed. Right. Within a very short time, like usually you have a dude in a white lab coat saying like everything's going to be under control. And then government falls, all telecommunication (laughs) systems, law enforcement, every single institution of society crumbles incredibly fast. And that is then part of this apocalyptic fantasy Mm -hmm. is around survival horror. And this question, which was also so interesting to me of why I wanted to get into this research of hearing people of all ages, including small children, be like, what would you do? What would you do in the zombie apocalypse? And why is that the question that we're asking ourselves in our super networked, neoliberal, digital um, lives? And part of it is this fantasy of a total unplugging and being disconnected from everything that reflects to us who we are and being this thought experiment on what it means to be human, but also like, what would I do? Who would I become? Where the majority of people turned into disintegrating cannibalistic reanimated <laughs> corpses. Would I become more badass than I could ever imagine? What would it be like to walk through depopulated urban landscapes? What would right. the quiet be like? Would I long for the busyness that now might feel like it's too much? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would I cannibalize my loved ones how would i find anything without gps tracking on my cell phone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would my forever stamps work (laughs) do i know that i exist if there's no selfies 
right? right? What happens to memory? So, yeah. so much of the zombie fantasy is about that. Like what makes us human and what holds us together? Yeah. And what are these artifacts from our former dead world, like watches yeah. or other things that we hold on to, even though they don't have any meaning in what is this survivalist, really hunter-gatherer foraging right. society? And it's interesting to question why so many people through video games and other media are projecting themselves into that traumatic, nightmarish, but also on some level liberating worlds, right? right? That there might right. be this both horror and longing. These histories around the zombie laborer and the zombie consumer, like yeah. what George Romero showed, right? Is this kind of like manic consumerism of just insatiable and heartless eating, eating other people, destroying everything in its path right. as one interpretation could be as a embodiment or the face of capital itself. And so it becomes this placeholder for these different truths about our capitalist system in terms of creating these different conditions of living death, right? Yeah. As well as it being an endless war against an enemy that could be anyone and could be anywhere right. and keeps drifting and the lines keep getting erased and blurred and then keep getting redrawn. Everydayness is rendered terrifying. Part of Romero's big contribution is that the details of these narratives are pretty bland and ordinary. <laughs> it could be anyone. That's why a yeah. lot of times when folks dress up as zombies, they're wearing the costumes of their former selves, right. right? So zombie bride and grooms or cheerleaders or a banker or whoever yeah. who are now this like undead, terrifying other like everything is off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which can make us look at our familiar surroundings from this uncanny dislocated place, mm -hmm. which can also be part of this thought experiment of since zombies devour the old world, our whole techno consumerist society, right? All of that comes crumbling down. And so there's a possibility of restarting something new. Although uh -huh. what replaces it might be more horrifying, and that's part of the psychological horror. Like humans might be more horrifying in how they treat each other. Right. The but it gives unknown. us this vantage point to look back on that dead world and question what it valued. To see, like, what, what was that <laughs> that we lived in? Part of what right. zombies... I think also represents, right, as a form of the political unconscious of the yeah. U.S. empire in decline is hastening the dying of this world, confronting all of the fears and possibilities that might be there, which is what so much of apocalyptic fiction does, right? Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. with zombie narratives, I think it can be summoning our deepest imagination as well as maybe being a failure of the imagination because so much of what we see is people then being awful to each other, sadistic, charismatic leaders writing to the top. You know, it's like zombies stop the industrial machine. They stop everything as we know it, the world as we know it ends, and yet that keeps getting carried forward in the survivors.
how do we sit with mourning of what is dying or what has already died that our system, our economic social system is actively killing, right? And making inhabitable and inhospitable. And what systems do we need to help hospice (laughs) so that the world can remain habitable for future generations? which is also another trend in zombie fiction is with the eco-zombie, right? So zombies always have some kind of virus, which Mm -hmm. can connect with all of our anxieties about how quickly viruses spread, right, in the global economy and with our transportation systems. But of the eco-zombie, where it's like a bacterial agent or something that comes from the earth that rids it of us. So there's a lot of eco-zombie themes that are also emergent in keeping with the times, you know, and as certain ecosystems start to also become very other in terms of destroyed ecosystems that aren't able to sustain the same kind of life that they have, but different and other life forms can start to proliferate. Like what will then grow in some of these bleached coral reefs, right, Right. et cetera, right? We have these increasing spreading dead zones and this is in part, right, linked or perhaps totally right to these zombie systems that don't have consciousness, don't have a heart, that are creating destruction that no one seemingly can kill. And I think that that's, you know, that all of these reasons, right? Labor exploitation, hyper-consumerism, endless, boundaryless militarism, ways that we're all connected and computer viruses can travel the world in superhuman time, ways that we have these undead systems that keep wrecking havoc, right? That all of this and more is so present in some of the immense popularity. Within that, I think also, you know, different forms of rebellion or holding up a mirror to some of these zombie ideologies or zombie economies that, you know, no logic can kill, mm-hmm, that they don't mm-hmm. die in the face of evidence. That, that's right. pa- economist Paul Krugman's term, talking about zombie ideologies and economies. Like, they mm. just keep moving forward and, you know, mm. even though it's like, that doesn't work, it still won't die. It keeps <laughs> reanimating So zombies can be an amazing spectacle, can be inserted anywhere, and can hold up this mirror to these different undead systems. Just a little footnote for fans of dystopian and apocalyptic (laughs) fiction. Right. There's all kinds of hyper realistic gore. It's I don't know that things could be topped in terms of looking at dismemberment and mutilation Mm -hmm. and people eating each other, etc. But what you will not see in the apocalyptic future is women with armpit hair. Thank God. Yeah, that's too (laughs) real, too unbearable. If you see it, let me know. They did a good job looting the stores for all the razors. Yeah, exactly. That was like the top top survival (laughs) priority. (laughs) You're listening to Shadow Time on BFF.fm. I'm Lily Sloan. 
You just heard my 2017 interview with Zara Zimbardo about zombies and their significance in culture. And wow, does she get into it. Um, so as I said, that interview is from 2017. This isn't exactly a zombie apocalypse, but it's still post-apocalyptic. And I just, as soon as I saw this, I texted Zara and I said, you have to know. And she actually had watched the show too. But in Station Eleven, you see armpit hair. And, um, you know, so yes, the world may end, but I think that we're really growing as, as a culture. <laughs> so, yeah, just really, you know, curious for you to reflect on your own, you know, especially after hearing that, your own kind of reactions and thoughts about zombies, whether you've been always been into them or that's something that you've avoided. Um, and I'm always happy to hear from you. I'm on Twitter at Lily Rose Sloan and as Shadow Time Radio. Um, we're going to play more zombie music today before the show's over, but I just want to remind you that BFF.fm is a community radio station that's a nonprofit and is uh, kept alive and animated and not undead, just fully alive and healthy um, by your donations. So, Go to bff.fm and click donate if you're able to spare some cash or uh, set up a monthly recurring donation. Thank you for listening, being here with me on this zombie adventure. Here is a um, wonderful song by Arab Strap. This is The Turning of Our Bones from The Turning of Our Bones. So if 
as a friend to love Then take this cup of kindness Just one sip, one chug, one kiss Can cure us of our blindness Hear my wanton whispers My loud and temperate plea We've been down among the dead men Now you're coming up with me Why not? 
thought of some form of the pox They left you inside your tiny black box I heard when you cried and I answered your knocks Let's make you a bride with another two pox You look pretty pure for so long in the ground You smell like a sewer but you don't make a sound I feed you order to keep Bootsy spellbound I like to be sure you'll be sticking around Zombie boy Zombie boy Zombie boy Zombie
You're listening to Shadow Time on BFF.fm. I am Lily Sloan. That was Here We Never Die by Sister Cran. Or that was Zombie Boy by The Magnetic Feels. Fields, not feels. <laughs> and uh, The Turning of Our Bones by Arab Strap. Um, this has been quite uh, a nice zombie adventure with you you whoever you are if you're listening um thank you ben ward for as always uh being that person i can say here's my theme and just typing that into your um into your um, music catalog and finding some good suggestions for me um that that that's that's where we got zombie boy um and um, sorry, I'm being a little bit disorganized in this moment. Like I'm a zombie. Ooh, bringing it back into the theme. I woke up too early this morning and couldn't fall back asleep. And then finally did for a little bit and had really wild, scary dreams, which was, I don't know, in a way fine because it's October and that's the kind of stuff that's on my mind. So... Next week, I have an interview with Mount Fogg about her new album and all the spooky stuff. And then the final week of Halloween month is going to be all ghost stories that have been submitted by people. And I have heard them. And they are, they are scary. <laughs> I listened to a new one that came in earlier today and was a little bit freaked out. Um... So I hope you enjoy that kind of thing. <laughs> and if not, completely understand. Um, I'm going to shift gears to close out the show. Uh, as you may know, probably know, there is a, um, a big protest movement going on in Iran. And this is over a teenage girl um, being, being killed by, being arrested by the morality police and then killed when she was on vacation, leave in Tehran, um, and did not wear, uh, she violated hijab, hijab law. And so after she was arrested, she ended up dead. Nobody believes the police, the, the police's story. And there has just been this wild uprising of, mostly teenage girls who are demanding, um, you know, justice and more rights. And I was just reading a pitchfork. There's a uh, Iranian artist named Shervin Ajipur. I, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, and I apologize. I, I crowdsourced it, but I'm still not confident. Um, and the song is, the song is called Beret. And... The, this has become like the protest anthem for all these people who are rising up, especially the teenagers. And so the song Beret means because of or for in Farsi. And he's he's singing in support of of this movement. And so the lyrics are like for dancing in the alleys, for terror when kissing, for my sister, your sister, our sister. Um, for women, life, freedom, 
And I wanted to play that to end the show because I think it's really important to engage with this and support. And it's a really um, beautiful song. And I'm just really moved by every tweet I'm seeing, every story I'm reading. It's really, um, it's really sad what happened and it's really powerful and scary what's happening now. Um, the girl who was killed is Masa Amini. Um, her Kurdish first name is Gina or Hina, um, but that's banned under Iranian law. So if you want to learn more about this song, you can just Google Pitchfork um, Iran, Iran protest anthem, and I think it'll be the first thing that pops up. But in the meantime, here is Barre. توی کوچه رخصیدن برای ترسیدن به وقت بوسیدن برای خواهرم خواهرت خواهرامون برای تغییر مغزها که پوسیدن برای شرمندگی برای بیپولی برای حسرت یک زندگی معمولی برای کودک زبالگرد و آرزوهاش برای این اقتصاد دستوری برای این هوای آلوده برای ولی اصر و درختای فرسوده برای پیروز و اعتمال انقرازش برای سگهای بیگناه ممنوعه برای گریه های بیوقفه برای تصویر تکرار این لحظه برای چهره ای که میخنده برای دانش آموزا برای هاینده برای اجباری برای نخبه های زندانی برای کودکان افغانی برای این همه برای غیر تکراری برای این همه شعارهای تو خالی برای آوار خونه های پوشالی برای احساس آرامش برای خورشید بس از شبای طولانی برای غرصای حساب و بیخوابی برای مرد میهن آبادی برای دختری که آرزو داشت پسر بود برای زن زندگی آزادی BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.